0: Today's guest is Sadie Dupuis, guitarist and vocalist for the Northampton, Massachusetts indie rock band, Speedy Ortiz. Together we break down the inspiration, writing, recording and story behind Doomsday. The single was originally recorded by Sadie all by herself back in 2011 and was remixed, remastered and re-released this year on the Speedy Ortiz album, The Death of Speedy Ortiz and Cop Kicker Forever. This solo home recording is oozing with grit and the lyric is super personal. There is a realness here that is so raw and vulnerable, which is no surprise, that when the band tried to recreate the spirit of her initial song by re-recording it as a full band, it came up short to what Sadie had originally put together alone. The song deals with the loss of two of Sadie's close friends, and her initial conception of the song started while she was riding her bike over a bridge, the idea seemingly coming out of nowhere. And Sadie credits the devil with giving her most of her musical ideas, which is a bit of a surprise that she's not in a metal band. For all this and three drum tracks mixed together, don't you dare touch that dial. Hey,
1: hey, have you heard Krista makes a podcast?
0: Well, hello, Sadie. How are you?
2: Hi, Chris. I'm I'm doing a okay. How about you?
0: I'm doing great. Where Where are you uh, sitting? You're in a beautiful room with with pink walls and a white door. But where Where are you at?
2: I'm in I'm in Philly. I'm in my little uh, home studio room. Uh, awesome. Just freshly home from the chiropractor, so it's a it's a beautiful Friday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is good. I'm I'm a chiropractic <laughs> believer. Uh, either you're a believer of chiropractic or you're not. I'm a believer. So nice. How, how's your neck and back feel now?
2: Um. I have to go back on on Monday I've been having some neck drama lately so
0: is is this uh, from you know being on stage with a guitar strapped around you and and being in cramped vans and backstage uh, you know, uh, dressing rooms <laughs> or is this something else
2: a year and a half ago it probably was from that uh, this is from d- hunching over the guitar while also you know hitting the space bar a million times because i fucked up the the riff i was trying to track so yeah (laughs) shredding too hard but at my desk while hunched over i think is the the culprit
0: yeah as the years go by i think i hurt myself more at my desk as well Mm -hmm. than than anywhere else apparently it's it's, it's, it's amazing
2: they're really terrible for you who knew
0: (laughs) It's amazing how that happens. Well, I want to give the listeners here a a little background on on you and Speedy Ortiz. Uh, The band was originally a solo project for Sadie that originated in 2011 when she moved to Northampton, Massachusetts to work on her Master of Fine Arts. While Sadie was teaching songwriting at a summer camp, she would also record her own material on a laptop in her spare time. The band was named after a character from the iconic comic book series Love and Rockets, who committed suicide. Sadie explained that when she began making demos for this project, her roommate had passed away of a heart attack super young, and her childhood best friend had overdosed. She found the storyline from the comic relatable and named the band Speedy Ortiz in reference to how everybody else deals with his loss. She's also been quoted as saying, And that is sort of what the songs were for me in the beginning. The project expanded to a full band in 2011. Uh, Major Arcana or Arcana?
2: I say Arcana, but I think I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: well, I'm going to go with you. Major Arcana was the debut full length that was released in July 2013 on Car Park Records. The album received critical acclaim from Pitchfork, The A.V. Club, and Stereo Gum. The song No Below from Major Arcana was featured prominently in the video game Life is Strange years after the album's release. Speedy Ortiz did a run of dates with the Breeders and Steven Malkmus and the Jicks in support of the album. The Real Hair EP was released in February of 2014. In the fall of that year, Doomsday was first released via Class LAMC series, in which all digital proceeds went to the Ariel Panero Memorial-funded VH1 Save the Music. Speedy Ortiz's second album, Foil Deer, was released in April 2015. Foil Deer was met with critical praise. NPR described Sadie as one of rock's most compelling young voices and lyricists. The New York Times praised the album and compared it as if Fiona Apple joined a punk band with even more vocal confidence. That can't can't be right.
2: Fiona Apple's voice is (laughs) out of this world.
0: (laughs) I can't say I totally disagree with that, though. She does have an amazing voice. The band, and so do you, the band toured extensively in support of the album in North America and Europe, including playing at Riot Fest. The band released their third album, Twerp, verse love that title in you. february 2018 <laughs> torp verse that's great uh doomsday was released this year uh on the death of speedy ortiz and cop kicker forever which is a 2021 remix remaster of speedy's 2011 solo home recording so lots a lot to dive into here. it's a convoluted
2: With, backstory isn't it?
0: <laughs> it, it well i wouldn't say it's convoluted it's just you know your publicist had sent over three different versions of the song one that had been Uh, recorded by Speedy Ortiz and the other one had been recorded by your first band uh, I believe was it called Quilty
2: there's no recording of it but we tried
0: (laughs) okay okay from what I understand you know going back to the initial thing that came out of you in 2011 idea of Doomsday is what we've went back to now and what was the reasoning behind that? I, I listened to the uh, recording that Speedy Ortiz did from 2014. I thought it was fantastic, albeit very different from your version. So how did the, how, how did things lead to re-releasing the demo?
2: Yeah, um, so I, I guess I, I wouldn't say so much this is a demo. In 2011, I had been playing in a, a band called Quilty for about five years, and it was... I was primarily doing the songwriting but alongside the, our drummer who also did a lot of the production work and had been my my boyfriend my like college boyfriend for five years and you know, as things go we just like weren't it, it wasn't working as a band anymore it wasn't working as a relationship anymore um, and in the middle of, of these sort of feelings of uh, I don't know if this is really how i want to keep going with my creative or interpersonal life our roommate and really good friend uh passed away so i wrote this song i have a very distinct memory of like biking over the williamsburg bridge i think i was going to work and just getting this song stuck in my head a a few months after he'd passed away and the lyrics are really going back to them i I think i don't always like dwell in the lyrics too hard so i'll sing it on stage but i'm not thinking like, oh, this line's directly about this. So revisiting this song today, I'm like, damn, these lyrics are really, uh, I don't know. It's, it, I'm dealing with a lot of grief. So so I did take this song to Quilty to try to work out. At that time, I think you'll, you'll appreciate this detail. We had, in lieu of a bassist, um, our friend Chuck played trombone. He had like a mute that had like an eighth inch output that he then put to a you know, quarter-inch output, and threw a bunch of like Death by Audio boutique fuzzy <laughs> octave pedals. Low-end stuff? Yeah, so it was like, it sounded like a synth bass, but on stage, in fact, is a trombone. So we, we tried it out, and it just was not um, happening right. And this was shortly before I went to summer camp for the millionth year in a row to teach kids guitar and songwriting
0: which that's so cool by the way in and of itself I, I would love to do something like that. I don't even know how you how you get that job but that's that's really neat. I,
2: I got that job because I went there as a kid and and I first played in bands at that camp and then when I was old enough to to work there that was just my summer job forever until 2011 at, at that point I was running the music department. so I had access to the drums and the you know cellos that were locked in a closet at night. Um, and after hours I would just, you know, use all the, the camp's equipment to, to try to demo things. And this was the first one I did. And I did it basically to try to show my bandmates, like, this is what I mean. This is how it should sound. But it turned out <laughs> I really liked what I did. So, so, so this is the original version of this song. It was released on the first Speedier TZP, which was called Cop Kicker in, in 2011. And then we did try to redo it i mean we did redo it as a full band in 2014 and arrangement wise it's like it's identical honestly listening to it it's just yeah. the you know it's hi-fi we did it with nico verne um at rare book room it was kind of our trial of working with him before before we did foil deer there
1: the white water's out it's the
3: parting of maybe it's due.
2: and there's like nothing wrong with it but it's I just feel like when I first did it the emotion of losing my friend is so close to me and the like exploration of that not only in the singing, but in the like three layers of drums or in the uh, sort of guitar solos that are a little bit more improvised rather than created note, recreated note for note. I just can feel all that in the original in a way that I can't in the, the redo.
0: They are the same song arrangement-wise. You nailed it. But I can't feel any different about... When I listen to them, I can't feel more different, I should say, about listening to one or the other. The emotion is totally... Totally different. Now, this demo from 2011 that you re-released—is it exactly what you had recorded it, or did you add any instrumentation to it when you remixed it and remastered it?
2: No, there's no, there's nothing added when I was remixing. But there were like, so this is the first, all these these 22 songs that came out again this year. Um, I'd always made demos and home recordings, but I'd never really released them. So I'd been, you know, home recording since I was 15. I'm, I think I'm 20 two or twenty-three when I'm working on these songs for the first time. I'm 33 now. So I didn't like redo anything, but there were lots of like bad edits, things where I just didn't know what I was doing. Stupid plug-in choices, stupid EQ and volume and even like there were a lot of things that were really buried in the mix because I didn't know how to mix. Like this song, for example, I don't know if you could hear, there's a really high vocal octave. That I couldn't have, I couldn't hear in the 2011 mix of this, and so when I went back to remix, I was like, I can't believe that's in there. I can't believe I can actually hit those notes at this time. Um, so things like that I changed, and then beyond that, I, everything was recorded uh, with one mic. So there's three layers of drums, but one mic getting the whole kit. Uh, so
1: uh, gotcha. kick
2: drum a little imperceptible in places. So the only thing I really did add was. Uh, I'd add samples of kick and snare in places where they were hard to latch onto.
0: Did you record this in, in Pro Tools? I use Logic. Logic, okay. So you did. I mean, the, I
2: used. I recorded it in GarageBand at the time, but yeah. luckily those translate well.
0: Okay. Well, you know, I, I used to say you can't believe everything on the internet. Now I say I don't believe anything until I fact check it. So I did. <laughs> I did hear. I did hear. I uh, don't know if this is true or not. So I'm going to go directly to you. That uh, you have perfect pitch. Is that is that correct?
2: I did when I was younger, and now I think not so much. Really? Is that a, so that must have been relative pitch. Possibly,
0: yeah. I would think if you have perfect pitch, you have perfect pitch, and 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 the reason I am I ask you this, and and I'm trying to to find the the right words of how how, how to say this. I listened to I listen to a bunch <laughs> of your stuff, and I'm like, wow, the singing is right on point. The note choices. This demo. And again, like I said, the contrast between this and with the band recorded—it's the same song, but I couldn't feel more different listening to each one of them. This demo, and I mean this cool, this demo's dirty. It's got grit to it. The, mm. and you're making note choices, and you're singing in this demo that are not fixed. You didn't auto correct it. I can hear it. But I know that you can truly, truly sing uh, from from the other stuff that, that I listen to. So this demo is just kind of like, I think what you're saying is is that the raw emotion that you laid down here just couldn't be recreated.
2: I think so. Yeah. Or like couldn't be recreated with other people. It's so it's so personal to me in a way that plenty of my other music is is not. Um, you know, it's very much about mourning a close friend. I mean, I got my wrist right here is a, a tattoo of a um, photo that James, who the song is about took. And I think trying to put on it's the I mean, I'm sure I don't know if you you ever have this, where you do some like, demo backing vocals or something and you can't get back to it because it's very quiet. You did it alone. Um, and as soon as there's another person in the room, hitting, you know, R on the on the Pro Tools rig. You just can't get back to that place, so I think something about being alone is part of it too.
0: Yeah, and and it was a raw emotion. You were mourning. It's it's the the, the very first thing you purged out into a recording. You you mentioned. Did you say you're on your bike or, or you're driving over that bridge when the song? I was came biking. To you? you were biking. So when yeah. the song, you said the song came to you, and I and I see guitars behind you, and, and I've seen you play play live with the guitar. But does the song? Did the song come to you in terms of chords and arrangement, or was it a lyric and melody thing, or both?
2: I tend to, to write primarily like off an instrument, so I could, be, I could think, you know, this will be the melody and I have a bass or I have a drum part and, you know, a synth line that I think will go over it. I feel like this is one where I just kind of felt the arrangement in my head as I was biking, and then part of the reason it became so frustrating taking it to my band was that I didn't have the right vocabulary to say, here's what I want the drums to, you know, here's mm. what I want to be happening. So what started as kind of a proof of concept to say, well, what if we played this? I had such a positive experience doing the thing where I'm playing three layers of drums that I was like, <laughs> what, if I do, what if I do a whole, what if I do a lot of things like this? And uh, that that's kind of what led me into the 21 other early speedy things that just got reissued.
0: And how long after that bike ride and the I- initial conception of the song did you actually do this demo? Do you do you remember?
2: I would guess 6 weeks, 8 weeks.
0: Okay. And during that time, do you remember being in your head uh, or had you in those 6 weeks, I should say, had you picked up a guitar and started messing around with it? Was it still was it still floating around uh, just in in your head?
2: I think I knew what it was on guitar and I had um, a funny experience today of like sitting down with it like because you know this is from 2011 and I guess we we re-recorded it in 2014 but I didn't really remember what I had done and I think something that's on it that maybe is a little hard to to hear on the the 2011 one but you can hear better on the 2014 one it's something that I like love to do later the the bass is like Playing the the progression, but the guitar isn't quite matching up to it. So there's like a an F on the bass, and then the the root of the guitar. It's like an A, a C, and a G, and the the C and the G maintain through this whole like I guess it's the chorus. The mm-hmm. maybe it's stuff Whatever's going on there. So so I sat today. I was like, what did I actually play here? And it's I think it's um I think when I was a kid I learned like a an incubus unplugged version of Pardon Me? Exploding like an
1: exploding like possibility me. So pardon me while I burst into flames of that enough of the world and its people's mindless games. So pardon me.
2: So I'm sitting here playing it today. I'm like, this sounds like Pardon Me by Incubus. <laughs> um, so I guess that was what... <laughs> I don't know if this is what I was going for, but it came through somehow.
0: And did you show this demo to the band and then they tried to figure out how they were going to do their take on it or had you not showed them the demo?
2: I think I did it and was like, it's not a demo. I think this is my new pro. This will be a new side project for me. Okay. Um, and my... Then bandmate had had definitely always been supportive of my demos and home recording and uh, stuff like that. So I think was excited that I was doing this, what what at the time was going to be a side project, uh, even though it eventually became the project project.
0: Gotcha. Well, I'm. I want to jump into the song now, but I'm. I, it, it's like a double-edged sword. I'm excited and I want to know the story behind the lyrics, but at, at the same time, because like reading these these lyrics, it's like what is going on here but but i i, I know i'm I,
2: like it's so personal and well, sad but they're they're kind of obtuse
0: i kind of know the backstory and <laughs> so i'm out of respect i'm letting you know that i'm like i really want to know what's going on here but I'm, I'm treading lightly you have to be comfortable with, with, with what you want you to have about. to tread
2: too late it's been yeah. you know it's been some time
0: okay okay well uh it just starts off verse one right out of the gate Vocal sounds like it's peaking, like there's a slight distortion to it. Like, <laughs> I'm like, sure, like,
2: it is. I'm singing into a computer like microphone. Like you were
0: red- yeah. It, it sounds like it's redlined,
2: and it's probably one in the morning, and I don't want you know the campers like that are in a, not not too in earshot to hear me doing whatever i'm doing so yeah, i'm no sure one. i have i'm holding the computer up to my face or something
0: and you can hear that and i wrote in my notes there's like a lo-fi drum sample panned left was that real drums or it sounded like it was like a drum sample
2: i think i grabbed it from another that can't be possible cuz i did this first i think it's what it is is um I'm I'm tapping on a microphone to make like a little like blown out sounding loop, so that's that's feeding through the first bit of the song. But by the time I got to this session in 2021, it's it's hard for me to remember like all the little choices. But I think I made a little loop tapping on a microphone, uh, saying to that, and then when I was doing whatever version of mixing I did in 2011. I was like, oh, this sounds stupid. I'll delete it. But it's bleeding through the headphones. That's so cool. So I think it's... My detective work is that it's me tapping on a microphone to create a little quote-unquote loop. Yeah. Being like, oh, this is stupid. But it's still... I'm getting headphone bleed.
0: I wouldn't have thought of that. But now that you say that, that's exactly what I hear. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that, sounds, that sounds like what it is. And the fact that you tried to delete it, but it was still bleeding through is is is, is cool as well. Those little, little accidents that happen.
2: And it might have been that I was able to like... Drag the take forward and I saw it in when I was doing it when I was remixing this year but it sounded uh it still sounded stupid <laughs> so I didn't put it like I was like I'm gonna put that back in and then I think I, I didn't
0: most of the stuff uh, I, I record is, sounds stupid so I completely get that
2: if something makes me laugh because it's so stupid that's like <laughs> my greatest musical success generally. yeah that, that,
0: that's why I turned the computer off after midnight you said one in the morning I'm getting into dangerous territory at <laughs> one in the morning but there's also and I don't know Sadie is this a base or guitar it sounds like either one of them like with like a fuzz pedal on overdrive and this is kind of panned right to that drum loop that's happening
1: it
2: is a bass it is but it's very trebly and a lot of the stuff when I was remixing it's like the Garage Band like preset effects, you know. I'm trying to mix a guitar in that's called like '80s Dublin Delay Spinner' or something stupid. <laughs> yeah. um, so I mostly wiped all those effects. Actually, I, <laughs> I'll give you all my tricks. Initially, I was like, I'm gonna start over. I, I you know, I got better plugins now. I can reamp things. I can. Um, make the sound a lot better, and I would do that, and then I'd be like, "Oh, but there's something about the stupid GarageBand effect that was correct." So I would make um, I would make a bus and send a little bit of the track to the original 2011 like preset. So some of the some of the the gnarliness of yeah, this- ten years ago GarageBand got kept in. Um, but that is a bass, and the and the there, I think the fuzz pedal. I didn't get a clean one. I just went, you know, bass to fuzz pedal to probably guitar amp and then mic'd that. So. It it does sound pretty trebly, and that was cooked in.
0: This track definitely has some some whiskers on it. It just sounds like you use the word gnarly. It sounds <laughs> it sounds mean, but then there's moments of like you you have a beautiful voice where that that comes through. But then there's these also these other like I said these note choices that you make that are that are kind of jarring, but they work with the track. And I want to read these lyrics now, and I'm gonna have you set them up. Do you
2: have it written out on a on a board there? Of course. What do right you got there? There, there you go. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been
0: studying your song for for a day oh my and a half. Goodness. Yes, so so and, and it, it's cool the evolution of, of this song and how you self. Admittedly, you, you're like I haven't really dove into this. I wrote this so long ago, and I guess just just today you're you're starting to think about it. So I've been I've been I've been doing the thinking for you. So uh, you. start starts right off uh, verse one. Mouth made of dried meat. There's a song that starts with the lyric "mouth made of dried meat." <laughs> it's pretty
2: metal. So,
0: <laughs> it is some yeah. A cannibal Corpse might get a hold of these lyrics and, and, and do something grand. With I would
2: it. love to hear the Cannibal Corpse cover <laughs> "Doomsday" by Speedy Ortiz. Let's yeah.
0: Me too. I might be able to make that happen. I know, know some of those guys. Uh, mouth, yeah. mouth made of dried meat. Some mouths come over to me to lick up what I leave. Legs kick in the stream, parting the white waters out. It's the parting of everything.
2: Some of it I can give you, like, yes, I know what I was going for here. Some of it is with the same, like, analysis I would give to a stranger's lyrics. The first two lines, listening to it today, I think it's about when you are going through grief or depression and you can feel kind of cut off from language or or being able to communicate those feelings. So I think mouth made of dried meat is like the inability to to talk through what i'm feeling and like some mouths come over to me look up what i leave when, when it's like um getting water from a stone to respond to people <laughs> if you know what i'm saying like yeah. people are trying with me and yet i'm kind of stuck here and then with the kicking the stream and the uh, the lake that recurs later i must have just finished up college when i was working on this and i I wound up getting an undergrad and then MFA later in in poetry. um, And I'd written a thesis about a lake that was kind of near, very near my mom's house. She still lives near there. Where they shot, I think, the second Friday the 13th at that lake. Nice!
1: On a June night in 1980, Friday the 13th, 12 of her friends... ...were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, Part 2. The body count continues.
2: So it's this very, like, eerie and, for me, very, like, American sublime-y, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> landmark. Um, and I think I was using the lake to like write through a lot of feelings around that time. so so I'm referring to a lake that I'd already done a, a ton of writing about but <laughs> okay. but not in song form
0: Well when I was learning about you and the band and this has nothing to do with songwriting but on your Wikipedia page it says that, that you've been a vegan for some time.
2: It's true it's
0: true so that's and right I- near
2: my mom's between my mom and the lake probably equidistant, there are a couple of like dairy farms that have been there f- for t- like 200 years, um, and I would see the the baby cows and their little pens when I when Aww. she first moved up there, and I was like, wait, this is this is what we're eating? No, so that yeah.
0: Well, the only reason I bring that up is just from the first lyric, mouth made of dried meat. I'm like. Where is she going with this? And now I get it. That, that, that lyric makes a lot of sense. You don't know what to say. A lot of times when you are completely upset, your mouth gets dry. You can't articulate. So I, I get that. It'd
2: be cool if this song was my like vegan edge prop.
0: <laughs> it can be. It can be. Um, you know, I'm calling this next part the pre-chorus. The more I listen to the song, I'm calling it that because even though all three pre-choruses in the song and all three choruses are pretty much the same melodically, the lyrics change in every part. I know, I'm
2: so bad about that. And it makes it so hard when I have to memorize stuff for a tour because I'm like, there are four different choruses, Which which one is now?
0: Yeah, that that is tough. I've had to, I've had to deal with that, or or where the second verse is the same as the first, but except for like one line, and you're trying to remember which which verse that's in. It's it's it can be a nightmare. But this next part, melodically, I'm calling it the pre-chorus because it happens again. And melodically, it's the same, albeit the lyrics are different. But
2: see, I would have called it the chorus, but I don't ever. I feel like I gave up at some point. I just label sections like A, B, C. D, I thought this
0: was the chorus too, but I'm I'm gonna. Uh, explain my argument. And, and you're, yes. the, you're the boss here. This is your song. of this is the chorus, it's the chorus ultimately. Meh. But I'm calling it the pre-chorus because it is different than the next part that happens. But it's just two lines, which is maybe it's sex. Maybe it's sexlessness. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I'll, I'll tell you what's going on here. It sounds like another guitar joins in here. Predominantly clean compared to the other tone, but with a bit uh, of crunch.
2: And maybe there's only bass in before this. Is that right?
0: Yes. Well, no. I the the bass comes in on the next part is is what I'm hearing.
2: Bass is in from the beginning, I think.
0: Okay. If if, think. if if it's there, I'm predominantly hearing that that uh, that fuzz bass that you're talking about.
3: Yeah. So I'm, I'm,
0: so if you're speaking that that's the bass, then yes, the bass. I the,
2: think that's the bass the whole time, <laughs> the and ba- a lot of this this stuff, I was like. Yeah there's a bass but it it sounds like a you know trebly like guitar and it was a lot of work to try to put some low end well, back into that- some of these
0: <laughs> you're right that bass is is throughout here but i'm hearing like another low end which almost sounds like a cleaner bass coming out of the chorus part but that's th- very possible okay well the pre-chorus part uh like i said it sounds like another guitar joins in here uh which sounds like a, a, not another guitar a guitar joins because we already have the bass but this is very clean compared to that overdriven trebly bass tone that you're
4: speaking of hey everybody don't you dare go anywhere there's lots more to makes a podcast after these messages from our sponsors This week on The After Party, we discuss some of the most original and unique bands and artists. This kind of goes
0: into to wean uh, Bjork territory, I think, but uh, I picked Primus. Oh. You want to talk about a band that should have never been on the radio or TV, <laughs> Uh it would be Primus. How do you market that? And I think that they came at the perfect time. I don't think Primus would have worked uh, in the '80s. I don't think Primus would have worked maybe even in the '2000s. It had to happen in the '90s. Yes. That that term you used, alternative, was such a buzzword, and it just was. It, it, it was such a blanket statement for oh, this is weird. Oh, it's alternative, and
4: Primus were definitely weird. I'll tell you what, man. You bring that up, we just. If you'd like to hear this whole episode, plus a huge back catalog of episodes of The After Party, head over to ChrisDemakes.com and sign up for our supporting cast program. And now,
0: back to the show. Maybe it's sex, maybe it's sexlessness. What are you saying there?
2: I think it's when you just feel for for whatever reason or another, like there's not a way forward and that. I think is a big part of grief, like feeling very stuck. What will what will help me to move on? Um, maybe maybe everything is just wrong, and maybe um, you know, going into this place of mourning is gonna. Everything needs to change to come out of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like, no. And and I'm, it's not. It's a, they're very like sexy lyrics. No, <laughs> that, it's not about. Sex is so central to it, but it's like not really about that at all. It's kind of just citing opposites. Like I, I could be, I could go, you know, ninety degrees left, or I could go ninety degrees right, and it's not going to make a difference. Shit is just doomed right now.
0: Well, and and also I've always, I've loved how many songs in my life you could probably attest to this too that that the lyrics are so ambiguous but you still love them and they still resonate and hit you. It doesn't even have to mean anything. Some of the greatest songs, like, well, I don't know what I was writing. there. I was just writing something. So, mm-hmm. you know, some of this could be stream of consciousness because of the, of the grief you were going through.
2: I'm sure it's a lot of it's, and And a thing that I liked to do a lot then and still do is just take an hour to write the song. And then if I make revisions later, I make revisions later. But under the pressure of, like, I'm going to do this in one hour, you get to some lyrics that maybe you don't, completely understand uh, but you can sort of rationalize them into what you've decided the song is about
0: well yeah and a lot of times too I've talked about it on, on, on this show that then what happens is you try to best that lyric that was just a throwaway lyric it was just a stream of consciousness and you try to redo it and you can't come up with something that beats mm-hmm. the original demo idea
2: yep yep
0: you know which that's a trip now I'm calling this next part of the chorus Sadie because this is where what I'm calling the real drums kick in
2: Tell me where you're, where does the chorus start?
0: <laughs> Maybe it's doom is the first oh, is the first okay. lyric right there, and that's where I'm hearing real drums, and I'm hearing this other low end which sounds like a real bass, not the bass that's throughout the song overdriven, uh, which sounds like a trebly guitar. But I'm mm-hmm. hearing some low end, and I'm hearing some drums come in here. There's also another vocal pan to the right. I think that's that octave one you're talking about that yeah. that, that comes Ridiculous. in there. Ridiculous.
2: Well, it's it's eerie. And there's a low one too.
0: Yeah, it's 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 eerie. I can hear that. Um, and that's pan right along with the center lead vocal. And then of course the, the, uh, the other low one, which, which almost sounds like it's centered, maybe a little left. And then you say, maybe it's doom and doom is really held out. It's this back and forth, like a two note, two noter that you're doing there. And then there's one whole measure of just a guitar lead that's mimicking the melody that you do on that line of maybe it's doom. So how did that come about? With with having the the lyric go for a measure and then the same chord progression, but now you're doing it on the guitar.
2: I don't always have like a um, a justification for those kinds of arrangement choices. That's just like what I know has to happen. I was I was just joking with my my bandmate uh, the other day because I'm I'm working, I'm attempting this week or this month to demo out um, a bunch of new Speedy RT songs that I've have written over the past year and I was trying I've been trying to get away from the thing where kind of similar to how I wrote this stuff where I kind of write the song and don't immediately go straight to the DAW and program out a million drums and you know do a million layers the day that I write it just so I can have a little bit more perspective on what kinds of instrumentation it might need or whatever but but arrangement wise it tends to just I'm tripping over my own story here my bandmate was like, "Oh, that's like an interesting choice that you made." That and I was like, "I don't, I don't make a choice. Like I'm just doing what the devil tells me to do." Um, <laughs> so, so I think in this case, this I'm is sure a death metal song. Like... This is
0: a death metal song.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and uh, the reason I so I'm I ta- sure the devil told me, you know, you gotta do this like FE thing and then play. Well a no, tiny the reason I The
0: reason I, talk about, reason I talk about that guitar solo in the middle of the chorus, it happens again, like I think maybe four more times in the song, but it never repeats the same guitar lick. It again, it changes all the times throughout the song and we'll get there. but I want to read these chorus uh, lyrics and have you set these up. Maybe it's doom. Maybe it's death. Maybe it was your death. Maybe it's doom. And that's what I'm calling chorus one. And the last doom is held out again. This time with the guitar lead accompanying the vocal, so it's kind of it's kind of playing along with it on that last line.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: True. Well, I guess I, I guess what I'm asking is 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 the lyrics here? These seem, I mean, as far as this song goes, probably the most literal lyrics in the song. Would Would you agree?
2: I think that that could be that could be true. Yeah. And it's hard for me to want to go there. Usually, I think i'm I, I'm often rejecting the like how are poetry and songwriting the same because I don't tend to work on those two things similarly. but I think one thing about um, having spent so much time in and around poetry, y- you tend to try to find a more sideways way into what you mean like a way to say the thing that that has not been been said and of course lyricists do this too but I think poets are a lot more self-edity um so the the straightforward way of saying like your death is the whatever um is not usually my impulse so yeah
0: and and and, you know people that uh that, that are poets seem to you know sometimes they'll write the same things over but it's usually a stream of consciousness of a whole bunch of stuff where song lyrics tend to have you know Parts that repeat a lot of times, and as we know, we talked about it at, the, at the top. There's there's not much that repeats uh, lyr- lyrically here. Uh, I
2: say doom like a billion times though. Doom so is so yeah. Doom,
0: doom is a central theme. Well, out of chorus one, it uh, jumps right into verse number two. Calling it the real drums, and I'm, I, I guess the real drums are the are the three different takes you took on the drums that you were talking about.
2: Yeah, all of which are in. It's so funny. <laughs> well, I, can, it's I So funny mixing. I it. I can
0: hear them, especially at the end when like the last chorus. There's a bunch of tom stuff going on on the drums that
2: that would be impossible if it was a. One yeah, take. the
0: beat's still going, and it, it 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 sounded like overdubs. I wasn't aware that it was it was three tracks blend, blended together, and, and that that was a result. But oh, um, so funny. And then the clean guitar is panned off left on this verse with a really nice picking pattern. It's kind of like all of a sudden this pretty guitar comes in here. It's panned off left, and it's in complete contrast with that fuzz bass that's, that's going out th- through the rest of the song. I like the change that happens here, and I want to read these lyrics. Right, this one feels right. One who was lost in the snow, buried up from below. Right, wasn't I right? Humming some shit songs I wrote. About the parting of everything.
2: Okay, okay. I can explain myself. So right, this one feels right, is not my lyric. And I think something that has been funny in revisiting a lot of these early songs, I can get a real sense of like who my audience was, which was like my 10 friends who also wrote songs. So there's a band called Grass Is Green that was a Boston kind of math rocky band. Um, Devin McKnight from that band ultimately joined Speedy. They're some of my best friends. They would sleep on my floor when they came to play in Brooklyn. I lived in New York when I wrote this, and I was moving to Massachusetts not so long after. So there's a Grass is Green song that he says, like, right, this one feels right. But of all these things just floating around right. I just grabbed his lyric. And then, so James, this, is a, this is a literal lyric, this next one. Um, James, who was my roommate, I met him because he would come to Quilty shows and take amazing photos. Um, and he just kept coming to our shows and being like, hey, check out my my Flickr. Um, he loved going to concerts and, and taking pictures of his friends' bands. So we kind of met through that. And the last night... Um, that I saw him, um, there had been this like insane snowstorm and I had seen my then boyfriend's other band, which is called Ava Luna, they're, they're still a band I think, uh, play. And our van got stuck in the snow in, like, the middle of the street uh-huh. somewhere in Williamsburg. We had to abandon the van uh, overnight. It was, like, a serious snow emergency. People who, I think the trains closed down. We had to have a bunch of people sleep over. Um, so this was kind of the last, like, night, big night I had with, with James before he he died. Um, so it's very literally, like, you know, and, and oh God, it's a, it is a little traumatic to, like, tell the story about it. But, um So he died that night and we didn't know for days because he, you know, would go to work in the morning and um, sometimes he'd be out at night. So we might not have seen him and he'd always close his door when he left. Um, So he had just died in our apartment and was like there. So I think like the one who's lost in the snow buried up from below is like, you know, he passed away and I just didn't want to confront or like think about um, his loss and how much it had really uh, devastated me. So... I guess it's about the the rightness of you know finally grappling with um, how much I missed my friend and um, just how traumatic it had been to to lose him like that. Yeah, I'm I'm so, sorry to sorry podcast listeners for this. <laughs> no, sad, it's, it's, sad uh, story.
0: No, sometimes, unfortunately, it's it's things uh, life things that happen that we. We write write these emotional songs, and, and this verse, especially now that you've explained this lyric, it's so heavy lyrically. But like I said, this verse kind of gets pretty here. To me, it's almost like you're celebrating his life. That clean guitar that comes into the left speaker—it's like where did this come from? Because the rest of this song is definitely the rest of this song's dirty. You know, it just sounds. And that
2: last night that we spent together was like so much fun. You know, yeah. And I, I would have remembered it forever, even if you know it hadn't preceded this um, terrible sad loss yeah um but in terms of the guitar that like our ar- arpeggio Who was lost in the snow, buried up from below wasn't right. I was obsessed with this Scout niblet Bonnie Prince Billy duet I think called kiss Die. felt it coming for so
3: long. If I'm to be the fool
2: then so it be And it's like a very similar kind of picking pattern and the you know, the little bend on the third yeah. uh, that I'm doing is like I think kinda of lifted. I mean it's like a very normal progression and and uh, pattern, but um At least that that song was kind of in my head.
0: That little bend halfway through is awesome. You know, it kind of takes it away from the, the, I'm calling it pretty, from the pretty guitar. It takes just a little bit of gruff back on it, and then it it goes right back. Uh, As I mentioned before, all three pre-choruses and three choruses have different lyrics. Here's pre-chorus two. Same melody though as pre-chorus one, uh, and different from the chorus melody, so that's why I've differentiated these two. But pre-chorus two is away on an ash. Your timeline could not be matched.
2: Yeah. Okay. So we got another uh, buddy band reference here. Pile is another band from at that time from Boston. So my my like best friend bands, you know, I was playing in a New York band, but Pile and Grass Is Green were like two of my favorites and when i moved to massachusetts and started doing speedy all the time part of it was like so i could play shows with my friends again and Pyle had a song from maybe that year the year before called a way on a rainbow it's a great song But away on an ash is like a way of like inverting that. Like away on a rainbow sounds so like a woohoo, here we go, like good times happening. Away on an ash is like, oh, like here I go falling down from the sky into like despair. Uh, so it, it is again like a play on a friend's lyric to sort of fit this dour. Uh, time in my life.
0: No, these like I said when I b- before I ever listen to uh, a, a song if I haven't heard it uh, on the podcast I read through the lyrics first. I don't want to hear the song. I want to hear what or, or just visually see and put my eyes on it and read through the lyrics. And I'm reading this, going, "What is going on? So this is, <laughs> this is intriguing for me to, to to get the story.
2: And I think like um your timeline could not be matched like. Irreplaceable, like you, you were a one-of-a-kind person and nobody else I know has had a life like yours and interests like yours and, and will be the same friend you were to me. So I guess that, that's kind of what that lyric was.
0: That's awesome. Um, chorus 2. I'm, again the 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 drums are here still the the three drum takes I should say uh the lyrics are the <laughs> lyrics are different <laughs> I'm just I'm not giving you grief I'm just teasing you
2: no i I tease myself yeah. I, and there, you know now that you're saying it I bet there's a second bass on here too which is I, I think, just a hysterical choice
0: I think there is I really do but the but the actual second and bass... I
2: still do shit like this my my friend um <laughs> Sarah Tudson uh Illuminati hotties was just making fun of me she just tweeted at me the other day because I, I I tweeted this thing that I had said to my bandmate that the devil ma- makes my arrangements for me. Um, and she just replied three bass guitars because one of the songs we did together on the last Sad 13 album, I was like, well, there's three basses and I want to hear all of them. <laughs> uh, Have
0: you ever heard of a band called Ned's Atomic Dustbin from the UK?
2: No, but are they a triple bassist band? They're a du-
0: double bass band. Yeah, they got two bassists. They're awesome.
2: Oh, what you Awesome. i like uh yeah yeah but I, I like with, that. with that said sheena ringo i think the the great oh god she's she's done so many genres of music that i don't even know what to say but more, mostly pop i guess i would say yeah she was in a, like a three bass band well, which i think is so cool
0: but as i said from the top i didn't know if it was bass or guitar i i said it's one of the two which you you know you said it you said it was bass it's just so overdriven and, and trebly and it, it, it more mimics a guitar so the other one is what a traditional bass I guess would sound like so I think I I think it's cool but uh, chorus 2 is This one, it's doom, drowned in the lake with every stroke you take, baby, it's doom. And after the first, uh, this one, it's doom, after that first line, it goes to another measure just musically, same chord progression, but the guitar lick comes back here. But as I said uh, a little bit ago, it changes from chorus one. So you weren't trying to play the same thing. This is kind of just stream of consciousness what was coming out with the, with the guitar leads.
2: Mm-hmm. And a ton of this album... It's just whatever I played the first time is what's in there. So we relearned another one of these songs recently um, to play lot, speedy to two two outdoor shows this year, A really big, uh, really big year for me on, on the stage. But my bandmate was laughing at me because the, every single chorus, the like guitar, quote unquote lead is unrelated to the previous chorus. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm sure I'm just getting down ideas, and it's like, oh, I'll pick one later. But, well, no, no and, I, and I and
0: I think the word would be, I think the the recording with the band, you know, this could sometimes be uh, the connotation of. of something being more cohesive could be better'm I'm, I'm not saying it's better but there is some more cohesion with the band thing than what you got going here on the demo and I think that again that goes back to this was just what what just initially came out through through all the grief you were going through but lyrically what's going on here this one it's doom drowned in the lake with every stroke you take baby baby it's doom
2: yeah I don't know about the baby I think I'm talking to myself probably. Drowning in the Lake, this is the same, the same lake that I uh, referred to earlier. I think it's a similar, it's like um, a similar intention from the maybe it's sex, maybe it's sexlessness. Like every stroke you take, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, everything's fucked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's one of my favorite sayings. Works for everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last Baby It's Doom, you're doing the two-noter back and forth. Doom. When, when that's happening, the drums just kind of dissolve to almost like just a muffled kick drum. Like it almost goes back to, to you maybe tapping on the mic there, and then for 20 seconds from the two minute and 12 second mark to the two minute and 32 second mark, there is like a, a dueling guitar So There's two, two guitars, like a dueling guitar solo that's happening. It's kind of atonal. The guitars are playing off one another. One's panned a little more right and one's panned a little more left. So um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm calling this section, it, it could either be the bridge, but I'm calling it the guitar solo.
2: Stephen Malkmus and the Jicks song called Church on White that I believe is also about uh, him losing a friend although I don't think I was like making an intentional parallel but there is a sort of dueling guitar solo at the end. (laughs) I feel like I often get more emotion from the, the like, instrumental aspects of a song than the lyrics, and there's something about that guitar solo that has always just been very, like, emotionally clear to me, and I think I'm kind of trying to do that through, through this song.
0: The rest of this song has that, that dirt that grit I hate I'm not using the the term like you know Pearl Jam or Nirvana but it's it's (laughs) it's grungy this song you know it's got some got some weight to it and the only part that gets a little pretty for a second is uh is that verse too the rest of this and this guitar solo it's just building building until it gets to what I'm calling pre-chorus three same melody here before we hit the chorus as the as the other two pre-choruses called me the hex i never said i was less
2: the hex is another is a pavement song <laughs> i don't think that's what i was going for but uh, which
0: by the way uh, points for being in a female tribute band to pavement called babement i also read that thank that's you that's awesome
2: and you know what I had just... Um, That's awesome. So, so Bateman did two shows. It's, like, been <laughs> vastly overstated its it's uh, relevance and longevity in my life. But but it was, like, right... The legend's
0: bigger than what was?
2: Seriously. But it, it was, like, right... And honestly, I think it was, like, we did one show, and then a week later, someone was, like, want to do it again at SUNY Purchase? And we got a different drummer because the, you know... <laughs> it, it was, like, a one-show plan. But I had just learned, like, every Pavement song on guitar, so I think... Um, a lot of those kinds of like guitar solo noodly choices yeah. were just like the muscle memory for me around then, so it makes sense that that I'd be. Were yeah. you ever
0: into Tortoise or C and Cake or any of those?
2: Not till later.
0: Okay, because I cause yes. I hear a lot of that in this, you know, I hear nice. I hear I hear a lot of that. It's cool that, that you've heard of them. Getting into uh, uh, chorus three here, the last chorus of the song. There's another measure after that where you're holding out the two-noter on Doomed vocal. Another measure with, again, another guitar lead that's different. The second line you just say Doomed, the the two-noter for the full measure Doomed, and then it's one measure again with just the guitar solo that's different. And then you say Doomed again, same thing, the guitar solo happens, and then we get into an outro verse. Again, the song it just changes here. The drums are now gone. The single clean guitar pan left and lead guitar off to the right are, are playing its own counter melody. And the outro, I'm calling it an outro verse. The lyric is, um, it harkens back to the second half of verse two. Uh, changes two words here, but it's wasn't I right. Humming some shit songs I wrote about the parting of everything. And the melody changes on everything here. You go down. You kind of know that the song's over. Was that a conscious choice, or was that?
2: I'd hope I know the song is <laughs> over.
0: <laughs> was that a conscious choice? with would that melody change there? Do you remember? Because it's it's neat.
2: I feel like it's almost never like a like a totally conscious choice. I just like know what needs to happen there. Yeah, and there can be certain arrangement differences, but yeah.
0: Well, how did you write this ending? Because after you say everything, where that melody changes, everything kind of kind of comes down. You realize the song's over. The lo-fi drum samples come back in. The little clicks. The little clicks off to the left speaker. But then it's also panned. It sounds like the delay of it is to the right. So you're getting this ping pong with your ears as it fades out. It's only about maybe three or four seconds. And then it's gone.
2: I think that was a 2021 update. And there's a lot of little ah, things like that. okay. Where I'm like, uh, this should be doing a little more. Okay. Um, so a lot of like the, any kind of like cool delay shit that's, that's happening in the this 2021 version is something that I did in like February of this year
0: okay so there were a, there were a few things that were expounded on from the original demo
2: no new recording but but like entirely new effects so I guess to some extent like new recording in terms of what the delay generated and how I manipulated it to change pitch and stuff like that and how you mixed it well yeah I guess those are those to me are kind of twinned right um those little production updates were like mixed choices
0: so now i mean it's been 10 years since you recorded this and you re-released it why was it important for you to re-release this song uh now what what what, what did you feel was the, the you know why why did you do it
2: so it's the the 10-year anniversary uh of this project was last month i think um the ep that doomsday came out on actually came out late october of 2011 and then the the Death of Speedier Cheese album came out in November of 2011. And it's funny, like this song in particular, I'm going to use big scare quotes here, but it was like a hit to my 10 friends that I send my songs to. I had never like sent them something that, you know, they were sending me back, like flip phone videos of them playing the like, that like F with the hammer, yeah. you know, pull off hammer on thing. <laughs> And so I just put these up on Bandcamp. It was like my very much my side project. Quilty still had shows booked with Pile and Grass Is Green and the, the friends' bands I'm telling you about. But people just liked this music more than than anything I'd done in the. And by people, I mean like the DIY spaces that I yeah. would you know was hoping would put me on second of five rather than first of five. And and my you know ten friends also in bands. uh, just seemed to gravitate to it more so I had it on Bandcamp and very quickly like it just had more interest than than Quilty had and I also was feeling really frustrated trying to play in a band with um, my my ex uh, and just wanted to do something different, and so that
0: gives me anxiety thinking about that.
2: <laughs> Not your ex, yeah. but
0: like being in a band with one of my exes. I just I, I'm sitting here getting uh, sweaty palms. So that that had that has to be weird. And I've talked to people that have played with their significant others in bands, and when it goes sour, it it, it gets weird. I mean, Fleetwood Mac wasn't lying.
2: <laughs> there are people I've dated that I could could play with now, but this was a tricky one because, like, having been in this relationship. When, when I was in high school, I loved to home record. And I, you know, got my, my drum kit and was starting to get better at drums. And uh, I took like an audio engineering class when I was like 18. And then I started dating someone who was a drummer and also was in school for audio engineering. So I like didn't have to do that stuff or, and by didn't have to, I mean, I kind of, um, it like put a pause in something that I, I was really drawn to and probably should have kept pursuing. So I think um, having this project kind of like, to the side project to work on, kind of brought me back to myself in a way, um, to my interest in producing and arranging and writing drums and stuff like that. So I got friends who played in my, you know, peer bands to kind of be my quote unquote backing band for some of these for some shows for this quote unquote solo project. And then we just kept playing together, and and Speedy became a a band. But I was always really proud of these solo recordings and. They never had a proper release. Like I think Speedy's drummer was like, this is good. You should put this out. So he, he duped like 25 cassettes of it that go for too much money on Discogs now. But <laughs> other than that, never really released. So uh, I was like, 10-year anniversary, this is a perfect time to do it. But also, I need to fix 22 mixes um, because I know I had ideas that I didn't know how to technically execute yeah. at that time. And, and now I can help young me.
0: That's awesome. You that you're able to, to revisit it ten years later and uh, see the finished idea through and and, and kind of have some re- resolve with it. That's awesome. We're we're about to wrap up. I just want to thank you for for being on the show today and and talking about this. It's it's heavy. I'm am sorry about what happened to your to your friends and. Um, before we go is there anything you like to leave for the for the listeners anything coming up with you solo with the band any other other side projects uh some tours coming up what do, you, what do you got going on
2: no <laughs> literally nothing uh i'm working on another speedy album I, I put on another album last year with um sad 13 which is now my solo project where i get to i, I read about be that the control freak i was always born to be <laughs> um what do i want to leave you with i will say my jackie my my publicist Uh, got a big virtual kiss from me for I was like finally you've got me on a a ska podcast I was so into your band and into uh yeah I was (laughs) very very into ska in a formative way so it's um and yet I never get to do any press that that allows me to say so 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 thank you for inviting me it's
0: very very nice to say you're, you're, you're more than welcome and and uh and
2: i've been referring to the death of speedy or cheese and cop kicker forever as my checkered past um so f- finally a podcast where i get to make this joke <laughs> and it will be appreciated
0: it is appreciated well thank thank you so much
4: <laughs> thanks hey everybody don't touch that dial there's plenty more to makes a podcast after a few words from our sponsors Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up and coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Hey, everybody, if you like Chris to DeMakes a Podcast, I'm going to assume that you like music podcasts. And if you like music podcasts, check out One Hit Thunder. Each week, we dive into a one hit wonder, and along the way, we gain some knowledge and have some laughs. Lou Bega, Crazy Town, Harvey Danger, The New Radicals, AHA. We're over 100 episodes in now, and to paraphrase the great Matthew Wilder, nothing's going to break our stride. Subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.
1: As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know.
0: Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to make a podcast, all you have to do is email your song via mp3 only and your bio to ban you might not know at gmail.com this week's featured artist is stuck on planet earth an alternative based rock band from toronto canada featuring adam bianchi on guitar and vocals al capo on bass and vocals and andrew testa on the drums here's a snippet of their song ghosts on the radio
1: With Chris and Chris.
4: Well, Chris, you know I've been excited about that one for a long time. I've been trying to make a Speedy Ortiz episode happen for a long time, and I thought Sadie was so cool, and I thought that episode was amazing. Yeah, she's a lot of fun. You know,
0: I it's interesting. I I I had even told you this before we started rolling today. I I was going to choose my words correctly with her. She's got such an amazing voice. And to be that vulnerable, in a sense, of releasing a demo, albeit 10 years later, you, you, you're you still proud enough to release a demo that, by her own admission, is just kind of like this first purge thought that came out of her, you know? And uh, there's a vulnerability there that, that, uh, that, that I wish I had. So,
4: <laughs> I thought at one point she said... Well, it's not really a demo. (laughs) You were calling it a demo throughout the episode. And I kept being like, oh, is she going to get mad that he's calling it a demo? But I know what you're getting at. And I'm sure she did too. It was that first initial recording, which, yeah, the song was re-recorded by the band. But then she realized that the original recording, what you're calling the demo, whether it is or not a demo, is beside the point. But she knew that she couldn't match that original uh, feeling and emotions that came out in that recording that was just re-released. Yeah. And, and by
0: demo, I just meant those, those initial recordings that again, she had played those for the band and, and they tried to emulate what she had done there. And she never felt that she got back to, to, to the root cause of what she was going for. It just never quite lived up to those initial recordings
4: of what I'm calling the demo. And I thought it was cool that she's like, yeah, I recorded this in Garage Band and you know, yeah, this song has a lot of elements that she talked about that are raw. She's tapping on the mic yeah. <laughs> as a as a drum and do, doing just whatever to get the ideas down and get the ideas out of her. But in actuality, you could make something that could be on <laughs> modern rock radio or something in GarageBand if you know what you're doing. I feel like GarageBand, people talk about it as if it's some sort of inferior program. And yeah, you can't do as many things as you can do in Pro Tools or Logic or whatever in GarageBand, but you can still, with the right, Knowledge of what you're doing makes something that sounds amazing in GarageBand.
0: Oh sure, yeah, and and this just I think what, what what drew me to this track was the just those primitive instincts. You know, they, she even said that n- nothing really makes sense on paper. None of the choruses repeat. None of the pre-chorus. It's just like a whole different set of lyrics throughout the whole thing. None of the guitar leads are the same. Out you know for the measure after the first line in the choruses, but. That's what she was going for. And it's funny because I've had that happen with demos where you go try to recreate it with the band. It just never lives up to that initial
4: uh, initial idea that you came up with. Right. And for anyone who's listening to this who's not familiar with Speedy Ortiz, this is very different. It's a very different sounding song. It's a very different. You know, Speedy Ortiz always has interesting uh, melodic choices and and chord choices and uh, definitely doesn't sound like other bands. I think it's what draws me to them. Yeah, I never really thought about like the pavement comparison because I'm not like a big pavement guy, but I am a big Speedy Ortiz guy. But I get it. I get that comparison in some ways. But my point being here is that they have songs like, go listen to Lucky 88, which was a, a single from a few years ago. A, a polished pop song, in a way, it has its it has its unique qualities, but it, it's it's very polished. This is a completely uh, different. Type of song,
0: yeah. A lot of their cal- catalog is polished, as You're talking about Chris, and, and they're almost these little little pop gems. And I I got a hold of this. And I'm like, what is going on here? And I again, I applaud the vulnerability of releasing something like this because it doesn't sound like the rest of their catalog, you know. But again, there was something here that the band tried to recreate, and and taking this song, that I kept saying, <laughs> I think I used the words. It's got some dirt on it. It's got some fuzz. It's nasty. It's it's uh, it's grungy, and to try to uh, sweeten that up in the pop sense with the band just wouldn't uh wouldn't uh uh, give off the same sentiment
4: it's pretty inspiring to me as a songwriter that i have you know i have hundreds of songs i've written i've dropped boxes full of all these songs and i listen back to them sometimes if i'm trying to like extract certain ideas but there might be like 30 or 40 of those songs where i'm like i really like this but i would never have the confidence to release that because it has those I don't know. Imperfection is putting it lightly. You know, it's, it's demos. It's stuff I was doing off the cuff and whatever ended up recorded is what ended up there. But this is pretty inspiring to me that she's like, no, I want to put this out there. This is, this is the real deal. Yeah, I can't think of a
0: demo that I did as, as, as recent as a year ago that I would want to put out in, in its demo form. I, I don't think I've ever had a song that I've, I've been able to stand by that much later in my career.
4: So, again, uh, uh, a nod to her for that. I thought there was a few things she said that were pretty funny and memorable to me. One of them is, I don't know what the exact quote was, but basically she said if she's doing something when recording music, whether it's by herself or with her bandmates, and it makes her laugh then she knows she's doing something right. (laughs) And I I think that's... So true. Like, uh, I think that maybe sometimes we're scared to not be serious. Like, oh, we're not being serious about our music. But a lot of times, if that thing can make you laugh, if it can evoke that emotion from you, then it's actually pretty cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, sometimes you you even with a song as deep uh, lyrically as this is, sometimes you have to step back from it and realize we're just, you know, three, four or five people sitting in a room with instruments trying to trying to create something. And there's a certain hilarity to that in and of itself
4: there is I can't tell you how many times I've talked to my bandmates about how funny it is that we get up on a stage and we sing and dance yeah <laughs> and, and people pay to see that like that that's hilarious within itself yeah you know I know I know you feel that another thing she said I thought was really funny is that the devil makes her arrangements for her <laughs> referencing <laughs> referencing a song uh, her friend had referenced a song where I guess she had three bases on it which Hell yeah! The more bass, the better. As far as I'm concerned.
0: Well, and we, you know, we've already had an obituary on the show. Maybe we give them the track and have them to uh, do their cover of it because we. You know, yeah. She, she even <laughs> said she like to see a death metal take on this on this song.
4: Yeah, and she talked about playing music with a significant other. I've never done that. Uh, I can't imagine what that's like. Obviously, everyone knows the story of, like, No Doubt back in the day and Fleetwood Mac, like you brought up. But uh, that has to be such a strange thing when you are no longer together. I can imagine it's strange when you are together, <laughs> let alone when you're no longer Yeah. Together, I I, I kind
0: of hated you before when we were lovers. Now I really hate you, and we're in the same band. Oh, this is going to work out well.
4: Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to write write songs about each other. I think it's actually a pretty cool dynamic. But yeah, I can imagine it also being pretty stressful. Well, and the last thing I'll I'll say about this track is, uh, you
0: know, I kind of know why she wanted to talk about it. I think there's a certain as we've t- you know said in the show before a certain catharsis uh, that happens with music. You you're, you're purging, you're getting something out, and uh, we've had people, as you know, come on the show some heavy. Heavy stories. Bill Stevenson. Uh, you know, we had um, Matt Embry with RX Bandits. Uh, sometimes the story behind the song uh, is is what uh, what drags you in. And here she was riding her bicycle over the Williamsburg Bridge, and the song hit her. I think that's pretty cool.
4: Yeah, and I thought it was really cool that she shared that. I know people were just hearing the audio, but I could I could see it in her face. You know, as we, as we were recording this here, is like. This was hard for her to talk about, and I uh, really thank her for that. That was really awesome. She didn't ha- have to to do that, and I think that's really cool that she would care enough to share that. Uh, Chris, I you know I I geeked out a little bit to her after the uh, conversation was over, and I'm like I'm such a huge fan of your band. I had discovered them because of this very strange video game called Life is Strange. Their song No Below. Amazing song was prominently featured in the game.
1: Right. So I got alone with my so I, was I feel like
4: it's worth mentioning that. Also after she had mentioned that she was a fan of less than Jake. She mentioned her checkered past and that was cool. I I wouldn't, you know, (laughs) obviously I have that checkered past. I came up with ska and punk and everything, but I wouldn't have necessarily expected based on speedy Ortiz's music that, that Sadie would have had that past, but that was pretty cool. I thought, I, I thought so as well. And you know, what else is pretty cool, Chris, what you got? It's a whole new year. It's 2022 now. It's time to start fresh. It's time to start over. Anything is possible.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Happy New Year to each and every one of you.
4: It's our third year in existence for Chris makes a podcast. I can't believe that. That's wild. And uh, Chris, you are starting the new year fresh too, because... You got a new music release.
0: That's right. I got my third Seven Inch to coincide with my book, Blast from the Past. There's two songs on this one's called Two Minutes to Bus Call, and the other song's called In Memoriam. You can find it over at ChrisDemakesAbook.com. That'll redirect you to the Smart Punk Records site. And there is no pre order with this. We have all items uh, in stock, ready to be shipped. uh, Once you place your order, there's also a back patch and a shot glass that uh, is with this round of stuff. So I'm really excited about it.
4: Yeah, man. You know, I saw a person or two giving you a hard time like, hey, I thought the full length was supposed to come. What people have to realize is there has been a major delay at vinyl plants, which is why, you know, the past couple seven inches you did, they did a pre-order and it took a long time. This time, The records are in hand. They're ready to go, man. That's pretty cool. They
0: are in hand. This is the last seven inch I'm going to do. So there's two songs on each record. So right now I've released six songs from the solo full length album. And there's going to be another six songs tacked onto the record for a total of twelve, and uh, can't wait to can't wait to get that out. Hopefully by the end of 2022, I'm thinking 2023 with all the delays, but uh, as soon as possible.
4: Hell yeah, man! So if you want to get your
0: hands on this limited edition seven inch, head over to KristaMakesABook.com. Uh, again, no pre-orders; they're ready to roll. And I want to thank this week's guest Sadie Dupuis from Speedy Ortiz for sitting with us. It was a lot of fun, and we're gonna leave you here with a song from the seven inch. This is two minutes to Bus Call.
1: Welcome to where every night, regardless if you're feeling right, it's cause for celebration with beggars and hangers on. Where champagne wishes and caviar dreams aren't exactly what they seem. Cracking ice cold water and past the bong. The night is young. The night is young. Just be gone when you're up for days Don't go on the rocks of your wicked ways tonight Oil spotted Show us here each night my friends in a hundred spare foot apartment Test belly dudes and a driver who's on more drugs, more drugs, more drugs
3: of Otis Redding of Amy Winehouse of Michael Hutchins Bob Marley This is the story of Prince
1: It's a new podcast series
3: about how they died why they died and why we're still talking about them so long after
1: It's like nothing you've ever heard before
3: It's storytelling
1: But it's more than that because rock stars
3: They tell us how we feel They change our mood
1: They change the clothes we wear